Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. Continuing on this series that we started, One Nation Under God, we started this series in our first Wednesday service. We brought that back, and um, that was a kickoff to this series. If you have not had an opportunity to hear that message, I would encourage you to do so, because I'm going to be building on what we are communicating week after week. And um, in this series, we really are going after faith and politics. Where do they intersect? And uh, we're turning to God's word for advice and direction and as how we as Jesus followers should approach this upcoming election. And um, I'm excited about it. And I hope you're excited about this series too. And um, this one thing that I'm asking you to do, this is my, my one big thing that I want for you to do is my goal for this series is simply this. I want you to evaluate your politics through the filter of your faith rather than create a version of faith that supports your politics. That's a mouthful. I'm going to say it again because I want you to get it, okay? I want you to evaluate your politics through the filter of your faith rather than create a version of faith that supports your politics. So today, let's go. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. I got a few passages of scripture that I want to read. I'm going to read from the message translation because I like the way it reads. It's going to sound very different from the King James Version, uh, not too different from the NIV and the NLT. But in the message version, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul's writing to the church of Corinth. He says this, even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous, moralists, loose living, a moralist, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered into their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God saved life. Now I did all of this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. Powerful words like only the way Paul can put words together. Can I read one more passage of scripture to you all? Let's go to the book of Galatians chapter six, verse two. It is the same author. Previously, he was talking to a group of believers that resided in Corinth. And now we're going to read a passage of scripture where he's talking to a group of believers in Galatia. Galatians 6, chapter 2, same version, the message translation, it says, Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens and so complete Christ's law. If you think you are too good for that, you are badly Deceived, And so for the next few moments, I want to share a message with you that I have entitled, There is Room for Both. There is Room 
for both. Let's take a moment and pray together. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to share your word. I'm so thankful, Lord God, for every person that is watching right now on the other side of that screen. Thank you, Lord God, for the continual faith to hear the words of their house, to hear the word that's coming out of their home, the community that they call their home. I honor that, Father, and I pray blessing over them. And I just pray, God, that wherever they're watching from, that you would open up their hearts and their minds to receive your word. Undoubtedly, Father, we are tackling a difficult subject, a difficult conversation. But Father, your word's not difficult. And it's easy when we can grab that and correctly apply it to our lives. So Father, I just pray you give us a grace right now to not only preach your word, but to hear your word. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. There is room for both. Let me start with the story. It's been 40 days since Jesus was crucified and resurrected from the tomb that they placed him in. Now, in these 40 days that Jesus had resurrected from that tomb, he had appeared and disappeared and then reappeared again to those who followed him, those, those early group of Jesus followers, and then also those who were far from him. You see, it was very important to him that he not only reveal himself to those who are close, but also those who were far. You see, in one instance, Jesus was Jesus's disciples, the 11 of them, were gathered in a room, and, and the word of God says that they were gathered in a room, in a house where the door was locked because they were afraid that the same thing that happened to Jesus as he was brutally tortured and crucified. They were worried that that same thing was going to happen to them. And so his 11 disciples hid in a house out of fear, but then Jesus appeared to them. And when Jesus appeared to them, all of a sudden fear ran out of the room and hope ran in the room. And it was in those moments that they once again believed. It was this fresh injection of faith that Jesus was the Messiah. You see, it was one thing for him to open up blinded eyes. It was another thing for him to open up deaf ears. It was another thing for him to raise Lazarus from the grave. Oh, but when Jesus raised himself out of the grave, that was irrefutable proof that he was the Messiah. And Jesus appeared to them and he sat with them and he ate with them. But as I said earlier, it wasn't just for those who were close. There were two men, two unnamed men who were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus days after the Passover and all of the events that happened in Jerusalem. And these two men were joined by a stranger and they began to talk about everything that had just happened. How this this rabbi that by the name of Jesus, who proclaimed to be the Messiah, was tried by the Pharisees. And, 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 and though the governor of Rome found no fault in him he still turned him over to the mob of angry Jews who crucified him on the account that he was blaspheming saying that he was the Messiah and they didn't believe that he was the Messiah and so Jesus is discussing these events with these two unnamed men on their way to Emmaus and they begin to talk about the law and they begin to talk about the prophets and they begin to talk about everything that they had just witnessed and then suddenly the Bible says they realized that this was no stranger this was Jesus they all of a sudden recognize him the word of God literally says that God caused them to realize that they had been talking 
to Jesus. And so this is what he did in the 40 days after his resurrection. But just as he was getting ready to ascend back into heavens, as he is standing on the Mount of Olives and he's gathered by several of his followers, the 11 and then some, he's beginning to have a conversation about them, letting them know, I'm getting ready to go back to heaven. I'm getting ready to ascend and be seated on the right hand of my father. There was one follower bold enough to ask this question. They asked, now will you free Israel and restore our kingdom? And imagine the collective disappointment in the crowd as Jesus simply said this, that's not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You see, this person that was seated on the hill, they, like many others, were still waiting for their physical kingdom to be established here on earth. They thought, it was their belief, that Jesus the Messiah was going to establish a physical kingdom. They didn't realize that Jesus wasn't interested in a physical kingdom. He was interested in their hearts. You see, he was looking on the inside, and meanwhile, they were looking on the outside. And as I read that passage of scripture, it's very familiar to what I see today as people are putting their hope in the external and temporary systems of this world rather than focusing on the internal and the eternal. I'm going to say that one more time because it's worth repeating. We got too many people that are too focused on the external and the temporary. And God is focused on the internal and the eternal. God is after your hearts and not a political party. So let me give you my big thought for today. Who is sitting in the White House is not as important as who is sitting in your heart. My God, I'm going to say that one more time, okay? Because I get excited just saying it myself, okay? Who is sitting in the White House is not as important as who is sitting inside of your heart. Now, as I've shared with you time and time again, it's worth repeating because people are joining in and following in every single week. But my background is in supply chain management. And because of that background, I have a tendency to look through a lens and try to solve problems through systematic solutions. You see, in the line of work that I was in, we put airplanes in the sky. We would put unmanned airplanes into the sky and they would just hover at 65,000 feet above sea level and take pictures of both our friends and (laughs) more so people who were not our friends. And so we would gather information. And so the company that I worked for, we put these drones in the air as we gathered information for our government and for our military and uh, you just need to know that when you work in that environment that particular product is very very important and and that's not to that's not to demean a product that is not an airplane but just know that there's no room for failure in an airplane that airplane just can't come crashing down out the sky yet oh well we had a manufacturing problem no it's not a thermostat okay and it's not a chair it's an airplane so there are tight controls and there are rigorous controls if you work in the manufacturing process of getting an airplane into the sky whether it's manned or unmanned there are many controls in place and so you learn all these different theories of managing the systems of making an airplane there's a theory called six sigma which reduces the variability you can imagine 
imagine that an airplane up in the sky has hundreds of thousands of parts and screws and nuts and bolts and carbon fiber and metal and all kinds of things that go up there. And so if you're going to construct that thing and piece it all together, there's lots of room for variability. So Six Sigma is the theory of leadership and management and production where we want to reduce that variability in our attempt to build that airplane. There's another theory of manufacturing that's called lean manufacturing. In lean manufacturing, we're going to give that person who is going to be building that airplane, that piece of an airplane, only the tools and only the parts that they need to get the job done. Nothing more and certainly nothing less. That is lean manufacturing. And so what we did in that environment was we looked at a systematic problem and we fixed it through a systematic solution. Now, I'm just talking about manufacturing airplanes, but let's talk about politics because that's what we are talking about in our series. In the system of politics, watch this now, we look to correct behavior. Policies are put in place and laws are established, and we have a judicial system in place to create a framework for humanity in our country. How are we going to treat each other? How do we treat people? How do we treat groups of people? What do we do about problems? How do we handle money? How do we handle healthcare? And so policies are put in place, and they are systems to correct or systems to guide human behavior. And so when something is broken, we often look to the system to fix it. That's why you hear this term systemic racism, systemic racism, because there is a group of people who feel that other people groups have not, that there are other people groups that have had a head start in life because they didn't have to deal with slavery racism and oppression and therefore they believe that there is systematic racism and so because they have labeled it now this is my problem with systematic racism it's not to say that i don't believe it exists in some shape and form but the problem with calling it systematic is we are looking to systems or policies to correct what is broken you see, if you label the problem as systematic, you're going to try to fix the you're going to try to fix the problem systematically. And here's what I know. And here's what I see in the scriptures. And here is something that is worth writing down for those of you that are taking notes at home. You cannot legislate a person's heart. You cannot legislate a person's heart. A policy isn't going to stop someone from being a racist. A policy is not going to stop someone from being sexist. A policy cannot fix the broken human condition. The one thing and the only one who can fix a broken heart is Jesus. And that's worth repeating. The only thing and the only one who can fix the broken condition of our humanity is Jesus. This is why the writer Paul said that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. I, I love that language because it's not, it's, it's not just that a person comes to Christ and he makes him better. No, 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 no. He makes him new. He, he takes all the things that are wrong and all the things that are broken and all the things that are fractured. And he says, no, 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 I'm, I'm not just going to fix those things, but I am going to make you new. You are going to be a new creature. You are going to be a new 
creation. And the hope that we have in Jesus is that. Because a policy might be able to correct people going forward, but Jesus is able to go all the way back to where the hurt and the pain originated, fix it at the point of its inception, and that's how he makes things new again. He redeems the things that are broken and redeems the things that are lost. And only Jesus can do that. A policy can't do that. Fixing the system can't do that. You cannot legislate a heart. And that's what we need more of, both in the church and in this world. We need people who have been stripped away from broken systems, people that have been unplugged from broken thinking, and people that have been healed from their broken nature. We need people to be transformed by the renewing of their mind. We, we need people to be transformed, as Paul says, by the renewing of their mind. You see, only Jesus. Jesus alone is the hope for the races. Jesus alone is the hope for the sexes. Jesus alone is the hope for our broken humanity. And, and my concern to you all in my thesis is we're not going to fix these systematic broken things through policy. No, no, no. We, we've got to do the harder work and we've got to do the heart work. Did you know that heart surgery is the most delicate procedure that you can go through? And anytime you hear that term, if I told you I'm, I'm having surgery on my foot, you'd be like, pastor, you're going to be okay. But if I said, I'm having heart surgery tomorrow, you'd be saying, oh, pastor, we're going to pray for you because we know that's a delicate process. We know that's a difficult process. It's a very involved process. It's the, the, one of the most critical organs in the entire body. You know, it ain't just like a foot. It, it's the heart. There's, there's little room for error in that. And, and in the same way in the physical, I believe it is also in the invisible. We, we have a hard time dealing with heart problems. We have a very difficult time dealing with matters of the heart. We'd rather fix the policy rather than deal with the true brokenness. And the true brokenness is the broken heart. You can't legislate that. That's why when they said, Jesus, are you going to establish the kingdom now? Jesus is like, I wasn't even trying to establish a kingdom. I'm trying to put my throne inside your heart. I, I want to get in there. That's the kingdom that I'm trying to establish. So, so Jesus is the hope for this broken world. Jesus is the hope for our broken humanity. Now listen, you can't say you love Jesus and be any of those things. You can't say you love Jesus and be a racist. You can't say you love Jesus and be a misogynist. You can't say you love Jesus and hate people. You just can't. That's why I don't get angry Christians. <laughs> That's why I don't get those Christians that are like, I love Jesus, but I hate people. I, I worry about the work he's done on you. Because when they asked him, hey, yo, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? He said, love God, love people. They asked him for one. He gave them two because he wanted them to get it. It's not just loving me. You got to love people, too. And that's why I don't get those bitter Christians. And that's why I don't get them Christians that look like they've been sucking on a lemon. You know what I'm saying? It's like if, if, you, if you're filled with the joy of the Lord, you ought to tell your face that, okay? And so, um, and so when, when you look to what Jesus does, Jesus is the only hope for this broken world. And I say all that because too many people are placing their hope in a political party, a political system, or a president. Come on now putting their hope in a president to be the savior of a nation. But listen, there's only one savior and his name is Jesus. And so here's what we've got to do as a church. We have got to represent him better. 
I'm going to say that one more time for the people in the back. We need to represent Jesus better. For too long, the church is guilty of misrepresenting Jesus. The world sees us and they say, uh-uh, I don't want your problems. I got enough of my own. If, if that's your Jesus, I want nothing to do with him. But here's the deal. If we could get this one thing right, if we could point people back to the heart of the Father, if we first can, can have our heart turned back to the Father, if, if we can get that thing right, if we can get that the way that it needs to be, if we can begin to live like and to love like Jesus, we can show the world that he is our hope and they're actually going to want him. We can show this world that Jesus is the answer and they'll actually want him. Now, what I'm talking about to you today is not a new or a novel concept. When Jesus came into this earth and when he robed himself in flesh and dwelled among us, he was showing to us that the system wasn't going to work. You see, this world was trying to get it right through a system called the law. God gave to Moses Ten commandments that, that, that guided their morality. It, it was moral law. And then he added to that 613 other mitzvahs. And, and, and it was a system that would guide their morals and it would guide their ethics. Handed from God to Moses. And listen, it was, did you catch that number? A lot of us get caught up on the Ten Commandments and don't even realize there was a 613 other expectations. And uh, it's a big number. And, and, and that number is daunting, but it was inherently designed to let people know and to show to them that they needed a Savior. That they needed a Heavenly Father. The thought was it's impossible for someone to keep all of these laws and therefore... It would reveal to us our dependence on him. It would reveal to us how much we desperately needed him. But here's what happened. In our broken condition, some people thought, you know what? I can't keep all these laws. You know what? I can't do that all by myself. And they began to strive and they attempted to earn favor based off of their own merit. You see, that system was designed to point people to God. But in our broken humanity, people said, you know what? We can, we can, do, we can beat the system. We, we can become systematic in our approach and reach God through our own efforts. And it taught men to strive and it taught men to earn. And even now, there are a lot of churches that teach striving and they teach earning. And though they say it's by grace through faith, make no mistake, they're going to give you a, a, a textbook of do's and don'ts. And if you follow those things, then you get to go to heaven. And, and, and that's no different than the Pharisees of old and those that tried to keep the law thinking I can do it in and of myself. But here's the deal. That was never God's plan. That was a broken System. So God decided to end the system by fulfilling the system. And now he has established access to him simply by relationship. You catching that? He wants to have a relationship with you. And that and when he does that, he will transform you. When he does that, he will transform you. But what he's done in fulfilling the system is he's saying, you know, this whole trying to get to me through the system, I'm going to move that to the side. 
turning to the systems to fix personal issues, it didn't work. And so when you hear Pastor Josh saying that a political system is not the party, and you're like, where is he getting all that from the Bible? I'm following what Jesus already did once when he said, this system doesn't work. I'm going to have direct access to my people. And, and, and what I'm not interested in is their political party as much as I am interested in their hearts. I want to have a relationship with them. I want to sit on the throne of their hearts. And you're saying, Pastor Josh, what does that have to do with now? Here's the deal. You're making a system out of your politics and using it to create in-groups and out-groups. And meanwhile, Jesus just wants hearts. We're, we are by way of our politics, qualifying and quantifying who is worthy of God's love and who's not. We may not say that, but it's evidenced in the way that we treat one another. It's evidenced in the things we post on social media. It's evidenced in the way that we condescend other image bearers simply because they don't vote according to the same political party. And we would say things to them online, keyboard warriors getting very brave behind a keyboard that we would never say to them to their face. And beyond that, and beyond that, say things to them that you know you would never say if Jesus was in the room with you. Because he's called you to love them. Because he's called you to serve them. Yeah. 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 I know. I know that's tough. I know that's tough because we want validation for our hate. And he says, pray for those who hate you. Serve those who wish to do you harm. I, I know we pull out some scriptures from the Old Testament. We're like, well, you see, King David, he was a warrior. And, 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 and you know, we trying to do that nowadays. But, yo, that system's been fulfilled. The law has been fulfilled and we are under a different time, a time of grace. And the way that the father has forgiven us is the way that we have to forgive others. So he's not here for the Republican and he's not here for the Democrat. He's here for both of them. Oh, come on. Now. I know that rubs some of you the wrong way. Some of you are like, I wish pastor would go back to talking about miracles. I really don't like talking about this blue and red and black and white and all of that stuff. But, but that's what I want to tell you about today. There's room for both. There is room for both. And if we can't get on the same page about this, then we can't move on to more pressing matters in our world. And, and you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to just move my notes to the side for a second and Put the filter down for just a moment. I hate this cycle that we go through every four years. It's rough. It's rough. I was sharing with a family member of mine. You know, I, I get that people have strong political views, but I miss seeing pictures of your kids. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> all you post about is how much you hate the president. Or all you post about is how much you hate Biden. Because all you post about is how much you hate one party or hate the other party. I'm like, can you just stop and put a picture of what you're eating today? I never cared, but I miss it today. You know, you get what I'm saying? And, and it seems like every four years this rolls around. And every single time, it's just... So painful to watch as we tear each other apart because of a temporary political system. And again, my concern is that every single election time, it seems like more of that is creeping into the church and more of that is taking root in the church. And we are dividing ourselves over politics, over politics. 
Now, I want to point you back to the scriptures that we read earlier. I want to start bringing us back to that because we've got to get this concept that God is after our hearts, that, that he's not after your political party, okay? They said, Jesus, are you going to establish the kingdom? He goes, yeah, in your heart I am. That's what I'm most concerned about. The Jews were like, we want to take over this place. We want Jerusalem to come back. And Jesus was like, Jerusalem, I just want you to get your heart right. You're, you're asking me to, to dive into areas that are temporary, and I'm after the eternal. And so Paul said it this way. I'm going to go back to something I read earlier. Paul, he said it this way. If, he said, I didn't take on their way of life, meaning, meaning those who are far from God. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered into their world. I would say it this way, but I entered into their worldview and tried to experience things from their point of view. I wanted to see why they felt that way. I wanted to understand why they talked that way. And he did so. He goes and say, I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. And here we are in our narrow world view of our political party. Anytime I meet someone who is just all about their political party, I'm thinking there is more to this world than what you are seeing. Beyond that, here's a big statement. Here's a big statement, okay? If you can't see beyond the narrow view of your political party, you are going to miss the redemptive work of Christ. You are going to miss the redemptive work of Christ and you're going to fail to see the big picture that he's called you to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. He's called you to be his hands and he's called you to be his feet. But, but, but as long as you've got a narrow world view and then you only talk to people who vote like you, you're only friends with people who vote like you. You don't have any friends on the other part. You don't have any friends who are voting for the person that you don't want. You're going to miss to see the beautiful redemptive work in their lives because he's not just here for the Republican and he's not just here for the Democrat. He's here for both. And you've got to take your lenses off so you can see what God is doing with each other. And you've got to be able to open up and see how God is not for a political party, but he is for people. He is for all people. Jesus does not need political parties in this hour. Do you want to know what Jesus needs in this hour? He needs a church empowered and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Because when they asked him about the physical kingdom, he pointed them. He pointed right back at them and he said, no, 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 no. I am after your hearts. And then he went on to say, and then I am going to baptize you with my spirit. And he goes on to say, and with fire. He says, I'm going to fill you with the power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, we read that not only were they filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, but they were filled with fire. And he says, and the reason I'm going to do that is because then I'm going to send you into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. For us in our context today, what he is saying is, I need you to get your world out of the political view and start focusing on the eternal worldview because I want to put my spirit in you and I want to fill you with fire so that you can go into your workplace, you can go into your neighborhood, you can go into to your community. You can go to your child's sports team. You can go anywhere that he's calling you to go because he is sending you. That was his response when they asked him about the earthly kingdom. And I think that's his response for the church today. Don't get too caught up in all of this mess now. I'm not saying don't vote. Go and vote. Do the things you've got to do. And if God called you into politics, and if that's his purpose for your life, go and do that thing. 
But fighting over those things and missing out on the eternal because of what is temporary, you're going to miss the bigger picture. And you're going to miss the fact that there's room for both. And I'm coming to a close now. We aren't meeting in person right now. I, I so wish we were meeting regularly. When I say that, I'm talking about Sunday gatherings weekly. Right now we gather every other week on a Saturday. But, uh, you know, if we were gathering on a Sunday, do you, can, can I just tell you what I would love to see? Let me, let me read Paul's words. I, I read some of his words. Let me read them again. He says this. Paul said, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious people, non-religious people, meticulous moralists, and loose living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. He's basically saying, I want to reach everyone. So what I was saying was, what I would love to see if I could exit the worship service for just a moment on the Sunday and walk into our parking lot, I think we should have cars in our parking lot that say vote for Biden and others that have bumper stickers that say make America great again. That's reaching everyone. That's reaching everyone. Uh, I want to see our chairs filled with both Republicans and with Democrats. I want to see people in the church that, that, that whose views lean a little more liberal and those who lean a little more conservative. Some that want bigger, big government and those that want small government. And if you say, Pastor, there's no room for both in the church, then I would say you're looking at your faith through your political filter rather than looking at your political filter through your faith. Because Paul said, I don't see red or blue. I I see all people and all people matter to God. So therefore all people should matter to us. There's room for both. There's room for all. I want to lead you in a time of prayer right now. And my prayer right now is just that we would really be challenged and stretched in this area that we would once again see and be reminded that Jesus has called us to be one. Remember, a few weeks ago when I started this series, I asked you to pray that prayer. Heavenly Father, make us one so that we can influence many. So there's room for all in his house. Red, blue, conservative, um, or or those that are liberal, uh, Republican, Democrat. There's room for both. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you for our time together. And I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to share this message. And Father, I'm so challenged in this hour. And um, I'm just praying for everyone who calls Lighthouse Church their home or for everyone else that is watching us online. Father, that we would take our, our, our political views down long enough to see the beautiful redemptive work that you are doing in this hour. In an hour where the church should be shining the brightest as we go through a global pandemic, this is the hour that the church should be shining the brightest. I pray, Father, that we would not be distracted by politics that we would stop doing the things that you've called us to do, that we would not stop being your hands and feet because we got so distracted with policies and systems that cannot fix hearts. You're the only one that can fix the broken heart. You're the only one that can heal the human condition. Father, turn us back to you. Keep our attention on you. We understand that we have civil responsibilities, but let's not allow those things to so consume us that we neglect the responsibilities of being called 
a Jesus follower. I pray blessing over everyone that is watching right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.